Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 564. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. And welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a wonderful guest today, someone who had to navigate being in the military, being in the Air Force, and what that looked like, and wanting to go to medical school, and a spouse being uh, in the military as well. How do you balance all of that stuff while also wanting to go to medical school and getting into medical school? We're going to talk to Callie today about that. Before we jump in, though, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Did you know as you know, Blueprint MCAT has one of the best, if not the best, the only amazing study planner tools for the MCAT that helps you plan out your MCAT prep schedule and allows you the flexibility to rearrange things as needed as life gets in the way. Go to blueprintmcat.com today, sign up for that free account, use that study planner tool, as well as get access to a half-length diagnostic, a free full-length exam, and much more. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. Calm. Let's go ahead and jump in. Say hello to Callie. Callie, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. When did you first realize that you wanted to go down this crazy path and become a physician? Um, well, I actually always wanted to go to med school. Uh, and I just took an extreme detour is what kind of happened. Um, like when I was a little kid, I was always, that was the only thing I wanted to do was go to med school. And then and I did everything in high school to try and get there. I had my associate's degree when I was in high school. I, you know, did all the things. Uh, and then I ended up going to the Air Force Academy instead of going to a state college, which had originally been my plan. Okay. Why? Uh, free? Because I had, a, I had a family. No, I had free rides to okay. almost any, you know, I see your Gators helmet back there. I wasn't allowed to apply there because we're FSU fans. But, um, so you had the Bright Future Scholarship? I did. Yep. I did. Um, but we had a family friend who had military and he kind of was like, Hey, you know, look at the service academies. They're, you know, challenging. They have, you know, a lot of things that can, they can provide you. And, and, and um, so I got interested in that and I applied to all of the service academies okay. and I ended up picking, picking the air force Academy. <laughs> the right and choice. It was the right choice. <laughs> um, but it was, and it was very challenging. Yeah. I, and, um, I kind of, 
challenging I, from a like a GPA perspective? Like it, it hurt yes. your GPA, which hurt your chances of getting into med school? More, yes, in a way. Uh, I, I was a behavioral science major. And really, if you want to go to med school from the Air Force Academy, you, you need to be a chem or a bio major because our core curriculum is, you know, that like an engineering degree. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had to take aeronautical engineering and astronautical engineering, just like as core curriculum. Yeah. So then taking my chemistry classes on top of that was just a lot. It's and hard. I kind of, yeah, I kind of yeah. gave up on myself a little bit. I kind of was like, you know, maybe I don't need to do that. Maybe, you know, I'm going to be in the Air Force. I'm going to be serving. Maybe that will be fulfilling enough for me. And, and don't need to do that in terms of don't need to, to be school. a physician, not yeah. don't need to right. take biochemistry or whatever. I'm going to get in no yeah. matter what. Got it. Good clarification. Yeah. yeah. I was like, maybe I don't need to be this yeah. thing that I have always These dreams that I've always had. Never mind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dig I, a hole, I, bury them. Yeah. I, I kind of tell people that I, I chose my mental health, but really I kind of just got lazy on myself. And I was like, you know, I yeah. want to have my free time and I don't want to be doing organic chemistry on top of all these other things. Yeah. And so did you have pre-med uh, friends at the academy and you saw what they were going through? You're like, yeah, no. One, I have one, and he, he is an anesthesiologist now. <laughs> he did go to medical school. Uh, he was a chem major. Okay. Um, and, and so I, I commissioned, and I was an intelligence officer, and I kind of doubled down on that. I got my master's in criminal intelligence, and I knew almost immediately that that was still not going to be it for me. I was mm. just not fulfilled. Why? Um, what, what, was, what, did, what was it about coming home from work or being at work that you were like, this isn't enough for me. I, I love the people in the air force. The people 100%. is why I, why I stay. The people yeah. is what is like the most important thing to me, but the actual job. And I did several different jobs within that career field. It, I just knew that's not what I was supposed to do. I, yeah. I just knew that I was not making, I wasn't helping mm -hmm. people as much as I felt like I should be helping is, is, you know, I just, it's a pull. It's mm -hmm. just a pull that like, you know, when you feel like you're meant to do something and you're not doing it. Yeah. And, I, and I know a lot of people know, like you, when you, like my husband is a pilot and he's just, he was always ever going to be pilot. And that's the only thing that, you know, <laughs> that's his whole personality. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and this was mine. And I yeah. kind of, you know, and so I started taking those prereqs again yeah. while I was working. Now I was on shift work in Las Vegas and then we were stationed in Germany. So I was okay. trying to do like an online take them, which prior to 2020 medical schools didn't take anything online. So I don't, I was just trying to take these classes just to kind of keep science in my brain, just yeah. to keep myself on this goal and work towards this plan. Yeah. And then we got stationed in Louisiana in 2019 and uh, LSU Health Shreveport is in is in Shreveport. Yeah. So it's where we're stationed. It's one of the few places where my husband can be stationed, mm -hmm. where I can go to medical school. And we're like, all right, like this is it. Like this is this is the time. Like I'm gonna. And I got pregnant with our daughter, which was planned. Mm -hmm. And I was still in active duty, and I was taking these classes. And then I transitioned to the reserves. Well, actually, 2020 happened. I had my daughter in March of 2020. Okay. And the same, like, I was in the hospital after having her. And we were reading through med school application requirements. And we're like, yeah. oh, my gosh, they're going to start taking online classes. Like, I can apply right now. Like, I can get out of this hospital 
and go apply to medical school. Yeah. Um, which is kind of what I did. I took the MCAT <laughs> when I was three months postpartum. Wow. The first time. Uh, I did not get in that <laughs> the first cycle. Time. Yeah. Okay. I did not get in that cycle. Why not? Uh, I got a 497 on my okay. MCAT. Um, and that was during the, like the, the COVID testing time too. So there was 10 yeah. minute breaks. So I had 10 minutes to go pump cause I was breastfeeding, oh, eat, yeah. snack, bathroom. I didn't make it back in 10 minutes any of the times. Yeah. And it was just, it was so physically and mentally hundred percent just draining, demanding. And, and really three months, three months is not enough time to give yourself to prepare for the MCAT. Yeah. No, you know, you, for a you lot of people, just, you know, especially as a non-trad mom, all after that fun 10 stuff. years of not yeah. being in school, you know, I graduated in 2011. So, it, okay. um, well, that, I want to pause for a second. So uh, there are, I, I interact with a lot of active duty service men and women who, uh, want to go to med school and they don't know what those next steps are. Uh, they're active duty. They have their service commitment. How did you figure out? how to get out of a commitment that you may have had and, and transition to the reserves. Was that something that you had to finagle or you just happened, the timing just happened to work that your kind of contract was up and, and you were free. So I was free. I, yeah. when you graduate from the service academies, you owe five years. Okay. And so my, my commitment was up in 2016 when my husband and I chose to go uh, and we were stationed in Germany. Okay. And so, um, and I had even, when I had done my master's, I had finished it so that my commitment for my master's would also run concurrent because I didn't want to have any additional uh, time mm -hmm. because I, I knew at that time that I wanted to go to med school. And so, but with the service academies, if you stay in for eight years, that's how you can get your 100% GI bill, which was also important to me because that's what I'm using to pay for because I didn't want to have to go through the health services program that the services have where they are, the military will pay for you. I wanted to just do the GI Bill so I can make those choices myself. Okay. Um, and so I just started, I was just looking at medical schools and I was just searching like, what are the requirements? Yeah. What do they need? What are these? And what, where can I take these classes? So, yeah. okay, I, I need to take organic chemistry too. I'm in Germany. How am I going to take that? What school offers maybe this online that I can take so I can have it kind of refreshed. And there are very few yeah. then that did that. Uh, and so that's, I was just researching. It was just constantly looking at all the schools, constantly looking at what's required and how I can just kind of work away at it at a time. But I, I didn't have a service commitment that I had to get out of. Yeah. So that, that part was, was well-timed. So that, that makes it easy, right? You're just on one or two year contract at that point, just, uh, re-upping. One of the, the big issues again, with, uh, especially those who are in the military is, is getting the experiences, getting community service, which is a little bit less hard, but but clinical experience and shadowing. How did you figure out how to get all that stuff in? So I didn't really have much of that at all, uh, especially the first time that I applied. I had virtually none. The only true experience I had was when I was in high school, I worked as a the CNA, like yeah. we had a program in high school. And so we're talking about 2006 that I did that. Um, and so I, on my application, I really had to lean heavily on just what my leadership and my career responsibilities were, mm -hmm. um, as an intelligence officer. And then after 2020, when I didn't get in that cycle, I reached out to the physicians on base. And again, it was really hard during COVID to find anywhere that would allow you yeah. to shadow or do anything. Um, but luckily I was able to, and so I, I shadowed 
on on the base clinic and that that was that was all that I had so I know most people's background when it comes to that is a lot uh deeper yeah than what mine is but I think that there were just other parts of my application that kind of were able to make up for that for me. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, uh, I'll ask you the interview question. I would love to know if it came up at all during your interviews. Um, how do you know that you're going to like taking care of patients if you haven't done it in a lot of years? They didn't ask me that actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, I guess from, to a certain extent from being a patient myself and from being a mother with experience having physicians interact with me for my child. Um, you know, I just, I know I, that I have experienced such incredible quality of care, especially when with my OB, um, which is really the kind of the memory that I am most drawn to. And I just know that there are women out there that have not received the quality of care that I have, that have, do not have the relationship with their physicians that I have. And I, I just know that I can be that person mm -hmm. for those people out there. That, that is something that I just feel called to do. Like I want to be there for these people that, you know, they don't have good quality of care. They don't have a position that they can, they feel like yeah. they can talk to or trust. And I've had that, that model in just, just my own patient interactions. And so that's kind of where I, where I can make that choice from, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. So you transition to the reserves again very common question i get from from those who are in the reserves a guard is hey i want to apply to med school but um i'm in the reserves what do i do how, how did you have those conversations with your leadership to say hey that whole uh, <laughs> uh weekend a month two weeks a year whatever it is uh for drill I, I may not be able to come to everyone how how did you have those conversations about how inflexible med school is so luckily the I'm, so I'm an IMA, which okay. is a little bit different than a traditional reservist. So I have 48 kind of half days that I have to work in throughout my year. Mm -hmm. uh, and luckily I was able to slide into the same position that I was as a reservist that I was doing active duty. Mm -hmm. And so it's all the same people that I worked with, the same commander, the same leadership. And so I already had that relationship with them, which was amazing. I don't have to travel anywhere because it's here in Shreveport, which yeah. makes it extremely easy. Uh, and so they're, they're just, they're able to work with me. Yeah. Um, they're very, I just, I'm lucky that I have leadership that's extremely understanding. And because I'm an IMA, I'm able to kind of finagle it around my medical school schedule. I mm -hmm. can kind of look and say, all right, you know, in this block, I'm going to have these days where I don't have to go in person to school so I can go and I can work on base for that. Yeah. And then annual training, I'm able to get waived um, under certain requirements. Nice. The other big issue is not the fact that you're in the military is your spouse is in the military. And again, I, I interact with a lot of military spouses and the conversation that I have with them is apply to med school. And as you know, the needs of the military always come first. Uh, when orders are dropping, um, they, they're not going to care that you're in med school. They're not going to care that you have two kids. Uh, that's what family uh, plans are for. Um, yeah. And so how did you have that conversation with your spouse to say, hey, like, yes, our hope is that we can stay stationed here for the full four years of med school. 
um, and then we'll figure out residency. But yeah, you may have to leave uh, first year, second year, third year. Uh, how do you have that conversation? And and here's what we'll put up with. Here's what we won't put up with. Well, we were also lucky in this timing and we kind of did that timeline as well. Uh, my husband is able to retire in the next year. Nice. And he was deployed while I was applying to medical school. So it's kind of like if, if people know deployment, deployment cycles, mm -hmm you know, you, you kind of get a reprieve in certain career fields. And so he deployed while I was applying, which kind of helped us so that he wouldn't have to deploy, deploy while I'm in medical school. Mm -hmm. He'll be able to retire um, when I'm a third year. And, and he's a B-52 pilot. There's only very few places that they can be stationed. So yeah. we kind of were able to also make sure his leadership knew, hey, like this is where she's in medical school. Like this is where we need to be. Um, and so they were kind of, you know, tracking that as well. And so we kind of, the timeline worked for us. It was, yeah. I mean, it, it was a very narrow specific place <laughs> and it was like, you know, I could only apply here yeah. and I could only go here and yeah. it needed to be this time in my life and it worked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was just, you know, a lot of communication mm -hmm. really, because, you know, my husband knew the plan the whole time. He always knew that this is what we wanted to do. So just yeah. a lot of communication. Yeah. And that's, that's the answer to everything with, with relationships and, and all of that fun stuff is communication. So you, uh, had to apply to medical school more than once, just twice, just twice, just twice, mm -hmm. just to LSU report both times. How did you have, if if you did at all, conversations with the med school to say, hey, I'm this person out here. I'm a little bit unique. I'm only applying to you. Here's why. What advice do you have? Did did you reach out to the med school at all to to seek guidance or mentorship? I didn't because I didn't I didn't really even think or know that that was I had so little mentorship yeah. or even idea of what was out there. I was still in this like pre all of these resources millennial you know 20 <laughs> 2008 internet yeah, yeah it didn't occur to me like when i so my i'm the oldest person in my class and it's almost all gen z and you know i i the first day of class i had pen and paper and they all had ipads and i was like oh my god <laughs> and then i'm learning about all these youtube resources that i could have used for the mk all these podcasts that i could have listened to what's that and it just it just blew my mind that like i didn't even i didn't even think to go here to figure like hey like there are there are people that can help me that can have like it just didn't occur to me mm -hmm. you know so i just really like brute forced essentially my way through getting into medical school uh, you know the first year i didn't get an interview okay. um and so then i you know i tried i'm trying made more connections i met other doctors that were in the area like i did a, a little bit more networking mm -hmm. met a few more kind of i wasn't able to shadow any of them but i kind of made those personal connections uh shreveport's a pretty small i mean it's a big city but it's also a small town mm -hmm. And so some of that helped too, um, but no, I didn't. I didn't really have any sort of of mentorship, and I didn't interview the first year to kind of reach out to them and say, "Hey, you know, you guys didn't let me in. Like, what what could I have done differently?" Because I, I was able to kind of look at my application, and, and I knew I knew why I didn't get that interview the first time. You know, I had a four ninety seven. I didn't have any shadowing experience, and. I needed to probably take a couple more um, science classes, which I did, mm -hmm. to kind of boost up 
my my recent science class experiment. Like I I knew what I needed to do, I yeah. think. Um, but it would have been helpful to have some mentorship along the way for sure. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming uh with the military, not everyone uh may may know how it works. You can kind of kind of pick and choose where where your state residency is based on some theoretical where you're going to retire. I, I'm assuming you you kind of classified yourself as Louisiana residents to help get into a state school. I'm a Florida resident still. Wow. Um, however, I know, I know. <laughs> I did put that in my application though, that, you know, my husband and I are, are stationed here in Shreveport. Like, you know, we've yeah. been here, we have a house here, our daughter's in school here. Like we are, you're here. Yeah. Um, and Shreveport also, LSU kind of works, they, they recognize military and they, they will treat you as in-state. So oh, okay. even though I'm an out-of-state resident, they do honor as military member station here in state tuition. Um, and so there was a little bit more of just kind of re- like recognition, like, okay, I see that you're military. So like things are a little bit different with you. And okay. I did appreciate that. Yeah, that's nice. I, I'm pulling up uh, the MSAR for for uh, for LSU Shreveport and, and they are a very in-state heavy school, right? Uh, 10, oh, yes. 10, 10 students like, out of 10? 150. Yeah. So that's very interesting, right? (laughs) Like I I have you on this podcast and and basically I I just want everyone to, to, to listen to this and go, don't do what Callie did. No, <laughs> like, I know. You, you, sorry. You, you had kind of everything going against you, right? If if I were guiding you, I'd be like, change your residency now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, Florida residency is great. No state income tax. I don't know if Louisiana has a state income tax, um, but that's, that's typically why people choose Florida. Um, but let's increase your chances of getting into this med school because, hey, 95% of this class is, is in-state applicants, uh, in-state residents. I would have done that. If yeah. I didn't get in the second time, I yeah. would have done that. I would absolutely, you know, like that was on like the, it was on the radar for yeah. sure. Like, um, so you were aware but, of it. Yes. And I, I don't remember now if I had emailed them to be like, Hey, like this is my application. Like you know that they say after you send in your application, you can you can you can message the school. Like you can email them and be like, hey, like I just want to, you know, update my application, mm. which is what I had done because when I was doing sh- more shadowing, I was like, hey, I just wanted to like let you know I've done another you know twenty thirty hours of shadowing, and oh, I received this award mm. um, for my job in the Air Force. Like while we're just adding things, so I did do that. Mm. Um, email them as a follow up, and I did you know kind of throw that in there too. It's like, Hey, like I know my, re- my application says that I'm a Florida resident, but I live yeah. in Louisiana. Yeah. Um, I did, I did kind of get that in there to them. Yeah. Good. What was it like to, to get that interview invite? That was amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Email? I, um, yes. Yeah. yeah. The inter the interview invite was an email. The mm. acceptance was paper. Paper, old school. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nice. it was because my husband was deployed at the time. And okay. so I like set up my phone and like recorded me opening it, which I had a little trauma because I did that the same with the first time when I didn't get in. Um, <laughs> paper rejection, but, paper acceptance. That's that's torture. Yes, <laughs> but I have it like I have it on like camera where I, you that's know, awesome. like every last couple like last year I like looked at it again and like it makes me cry all over again when yeah. I got in. But uh, yeah, no, that interview I was, I was so 
I was so relieved because I, I kind of always felt, you know, if, if I could just interview, like, then they would understand, like, this is where I meant to be. Like, I, I just, you know, you can come across differently in interviews than on paper. And I know on paper, like it looks good, maybe not as good as some, but it looks different and intriguing enough for them to offer me an interview. And I just knew that like, if I got that interview that I would get in, yeah. at least that's how I felt. Yeah. What was the interview like uh, as a non-trad, as uh, a mom, um, uh, a lot of times the, the crusty old white guys that are interviewing oftentimes are like, well, how are you going to handle both? Like what's and, anything like that? Or was it super laid back and chill? It felt a lot like this, honestly, you know, I told my story like yeah. this and, um, I don't mind interviews. I don't mind talking to people about my experience and, um, you know, it's kind of the thing about the, like, I like about the air force is you, you talk to each other. You're trying to help people. You're trying to mentor people. You're trying to let them learn from your experiences. And so in that sense, I felt very prepared going into the interview. Um, just cause I knew that this is what I wanted this. I mean, I, I can look, I can just go through my entire life and show you how I've been trying to make this happen for me, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it, it was, I had a, a, one of the interviewers was a pediatrician. And mm -hmm. so we were able to find that common ground with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other interviewer was prior air force. So we were able to find that common ground. You know, I saw one of his like pictures in the back of the room when I was interviewing and I was like, Oh, I, is that a, is that a litho? Like, you know, trying to find those places where you can connect with those interviewers on a very personal level to make that connection so that they remember you. hundred percent. Looking back on your journey, what do you think was the hardest part of it? I mean, I'm, I'm in it right now. Being in medical school is the hardest part. No, sure. no. Being a pre-med, what's the hardest part? <laughs> we all know med school is hard. Um, you know, that, that year that I was in between after I had my daughter trying to get into medical school, you know, that was the absolute hardest year because, uh, you know, I want to spend all the time with my daughter, mm -hmm. but I can't, you know, I, I have to give her to grandma and I had to go lock myself in the room and study and just like cram through that MCAT and get through those resources. And, and, you know, taking the MCAT, like I said, the first time breastfeeding was just physically and mentally the most demanding thing I have ever done. Yeah. It was just brutal. Um, and you're tired and, and you're like, you know, you get to that time again, we're like, I, I could just be happy and home with my kids. But I'm like, but no, like I need my kids to see like that this, that I went and did when I like what I was meant to do, like that I pushed through and like, this is, you know, I made sacrifices and they're making sacrifices. And, you know, that's the, that's the hardest part is just, you know, you, you're, you're father. So you want to spend time with your kid. Yeah. When they're behaving. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 How do you handle that now? Right. Your, your husband, as you mentioned in the air force, uh, as a pilot, obviously he has to maintain all of the, his, his pilot stuff and there he's constantly flying and maintaining, uh, all of his stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you're in med school. How are you handling kids and relationship and, and all of that stuff? So our, our three-year-old is in school. And yeah. so there's that helps. Mm -hmm. And my husband pretty much takes her to school and, and picks her up 80, 90% of the time. The only time he doesn't is when, when he's flying, like mm -hmm. you said, uh, and my school, 
school right now, because I'm a second year, I'm not into clinicals, has a pretty set class schedule and it's in the afternoons. And so that really allows me to be able to take her to school and pick her up when I need to, you know, I lose that study time, which is why my husband always tries to handle it. Um, But that helps my, you know, my school's schedule works for me right now. Um, And then we've had either my mom my mother-in-law or a nanny rotate through with the baby who is turning, she'll be seven months tomorrow. I had her May of my MS one year. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. and, And what was it like having a baby during medical school, during first year of medical school? Um, it was, it was brutal. <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't recommend it. I mean, she, yeah. we, we planned it because, okay. you know, I'm 34 and we didn't want a big age gap between the, when the our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was, you know, the first week of med school, I had to go in and tell my anatomy instructor, like, Hey, like I'm trying to get pregnant. <laughs> I need to wear so, a respirator. <laughs> yes. And so I'm wearing a giant powder yeah. mask and everyone's like, <laughs> letting I'm, everyone I'm like, know. Yeah. Yeah, not, yeah, I, I wasn't pregnant yet, but everyone was like, <laughs> it's it's the respirator and the non-alcoholic drinks that give it away. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so and then genetics followed week by week with my like gestation, which was brutal to learn every week by week. Everything that's can, that can, can go, go wrong. wrong. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. So I, I had a lot of uh, anxiety with that. I also had a lot yeah. of first trimester exhaustion mm-hmm. to go with that first semester of med school. Um, so it was just. It was, it was rough. It was rough. It was definitely. But you did it. I mean, yeah, because, you know, this is what I want to do. And so yeah. you just, you do what you have to do to get through it. And yeah. um, I mean, that's, it's like a lot of this is to a certain extent, it's just like brute force getting through it. You know, like it's, it's hard. It's, it's so, it's so hard, but mm-hmm. if it's really what you want to do, like you can make it happen. And, you know, it takes a village, you know, my husband does so much and our moms, you know, they have just, since I was studying to get in, you know, studying for the MCAT, they've been here, they've been helping take care of the first kid, they're helping take care of the second kid. Um, you know, it takes a village and you have to have, you have to have that network when you're trying to get into med school, when you're in med school, like it's so important. Yeah. How did the school handle your pregnancy and uh, maternity leave, if, if any, how did, how did they take that? What kind not, of support did you get? Not well at first. Yeah. Um, I had some professors that I'm fairly certain do not believe women should be having children. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and and let me guess, they're not all men. So. Or are they? My my experience. Yeah. Which is mostly with the men. Yeah. Um, okay. And. But you're right. You're absolutely right. And there are women out there that are like, well, you know, it was like this for me. And so it needs to be like this for you. Um, But my school did not have a parental leave policy. Wow. Um, And I did not have a parental leave plan up until the day before I gave birth, when I ended up writing a letter to the dean of my school with with the attachments of all the communication that I had made up until that point to establish a plan going back six months. Wow. and I was like, hey, like, this is what I have done. No one has given me a plan. I'm having this baby tomorrow. So like, I need to know what's up, you know? And, and the military has given me that kind of the military age experience. Like, I'm not scared to speak up for myself. Yeah. But what I realized in that experience is that there are so many women that had had children at my school that had had not great experiences, that had had not been treated well. Yeah. And so um, 
I've worked with my school since then, and we have a parental leave policy now that applies to both men and women, because I had my first child when I was in the Air Force, and the Air Force should not be doing medical care better than medical schools. I should not have had a better maternity leave plan and understanding when I was in the Air Force than when I was in medical school. Um, And so I worked and I went to, I joined Louisiana State Medical Society and went down to the House of Delegates and we um, I gave testimony on a resolution to encourage medical schools in the state of Louisiana to have parental leave policies throughout the state. Yeah. And then I went back to my school and I worked and we got one. And so we have one for our school now that applies to not it, just the moms, but the dads too. Callie, uh, it seems like this should be something that is part of the accreditation process for medical schools and the reaccreditation process for med schools is, hey, show me your parental leave policy. Yes. Yes. It That's it. We, we need to go bigger than just the, the state. We need to go to the actual accreditation bodies, uh, LCME and COCA, uh, to fix that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. And I know it's, you know, because I've seen it with the Air Force where, you know, when something was all men and then you slowly bring the women in the policies slowly follow behind and and you know so what, what year is this <laughs> but my medical <sighs> class is 54 percent women and nine yeah. percent of medical students graduate with families yeah. and that is not an insignificant number to not be taking care of people so you know we're working on it working on it. one 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 step at a time Awesome. For the student listening to this who thinks their path is insurmountable, that they're in a specific situation that they can't get out of, whether it's being active duty or whatever it is, what what sort of words of encouragement, motivation do you have for them to to keep going on this journey and to to figure it out, to 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 push through as you were talking about? I would say um, to one, find people that you can surround yourself that will boost you up and kind of pull you through on those days where you need it the most. Um, But, you know, when it really comes down to it it is you have to dig deep into yourself. And if it's something that you really want, you have to, you have to believe in yourself. You have to know that you can do it. And, you know, there's going to be days where you don't feel like you can. And that's why you have that network of people, even if it's that one person that you can go to and be like, man, today's just Today's not good. And they can be like, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm impressed by you. You know, you're doing great, sweetie. Like someone that can just tell you that on your bad days and you can be like, all right, like there's someone else out there that, you know, sees what I'm doing and like, they believe in me. And like that kind of can fill it in on those days where maybe you just don't feel, feel it in yourself as much as, as you do on the other days. What does the future hold for you? What are you interested in doing? Do you know yet? Um, well, I was a behavioral science major in college. I've always been interested in, in psychology and, um, I'm very interested in things with, with peds. So, you know, whether that's a subspecialty within pediatrics or whether it's, you know, ped psych, like adolescent psychiatry, which I know we're going to have a lot of need for, uh, in these, in the future, um, something, something along those lines, you know, Yeah. I love kids. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. I hope I was able to help somebody out there. All right, there you have it. A great episode for you today. Hopefully helping you understand 
the process of getting into medical school as a military member, as someone who's balancing this life and wanting to go to medical school and all of that good stuff. It's it's something that uh, I, I get lots of conversations being a veteran myself, having been in the Air Force as a flight surgeon, um, lots of students reaching out going, how do I do this? Whether my spouse is in the military, whether I'm in the military, how do I do this thing called the go to medical school? So hopefully this was a great episode for you. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget to check out blueprintmcat.com. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Mid Years. This is MedEd Media.